Greetings. Welcome to Space Court. I'm with Sahara Lee. That name, I want to say Jackson after it. Sahara Lee Jackson. Maybe it's a premonition. (laughs) I'm never changing my name again, so it's definitely not a premonition of any sort. How many times have you changed your name? Three times. Not too bad. Not too good. Just right. Okay, so you were interested or you reached out to me wondering about having an episode regarding judgment. Yeah. Let's talk about judgment. Space Court. Space Court. This episode was recorded almost two years ago in February of 2020. But this is Space Court, not Time Court. And the topic surrounding judgment is still very relevant. We invite you to voyage with us as two bitches from planet Earth share their thoughts and insights on judgment. It's a really interesting topic. Um, And as with, you know, life in general, everything is always synchronistic. I agree. My mom just found out maybe an hour ago that her sister had passed away or has passed away. Whoa, that's like very recent. Death is always unexpected, but was this something that was known or completely unknown? No, it wasn't known. I mean, she knew, my aunt knew, but she didn't tell us the family. Does this mean that it was a suicide? Is that what I'm hearing? No, she had pancreatic cancer. So, you know, that takes you pretty quick. It is so interesting because my, you know, my first thought was like, okay, well, you know, do I need to cancel this? Um, you know, be in support with my mom, and my mom was processing well. Um, but it was something that she said to me, and I was like, man, this is so profound. Like, it is so synchronistic that this would, of course, happen. You know, just before we would have this conversation on judgment, um, because I think judgment is something that's so misconstrued in our society and in the world. And my mom said something to me because her and her sister had had a little bit of a riff over the last few years. And she said, you know, it's fine. She would not have approved of me anyways. We don't see that other people's judgment of us is actually a judgment of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no. And I, so I said to her, I was like, no, she, she, it's not that she didn't approve of you. She didn't approve of herself. And you were an easy place to put it. Mm-hmm. And I find that that is something so common. We would like to introduce Sahara Lee, Cancer Sun, Leo Moon, Capricorn Rising. My look on judgment is it's two different things. It's a noun and it's a verb. There's the action of judging and and placing it on somebody else. And I call this the negative. And that is like, you're doing it wrong. I am right. You need to get in line. And then there is judgment in the, like, I have created a decision. I have discernment, which I call the positive. What you're doing doesn't work for me. That's cool. You keep living. I'm going to keep living. And uh, we're just going to move from there. And I feel like we get really mixed up in those two. And, like, I've struggled with this word for years, just sitting in, like, all over the world, traveling on trains and planes and buses and rickshaws and contemplating judgment. And it took me probably a solid like five or six years of just contemplating on this to get to that place of being like, 
there's two different definitions of the word because oftentimes in like any type of spiritual capacity, people are like, judgment is so bad. Don't judge, you know, reserve your judgment. And I'm like, oh, I feel like we're getting into like semantics of the word. Speaking of semantics. (laughs) (laughs) Let's break this down. So when you say noun and verb, what you just described, the positive judgment and the negative judgment, those are still both verbs, right? Those are still both actions. Or are you saying that the positive judgment, also known as discernment, is a noun? Is that what you're saying? I think of that that one is more of a noun. That is more of a, it's an extension of you, meaning it's okay. an extension of your personality. Like this doesn't work for me. This is a piece of me. It is a person, place, or thing. The negative judgment is this action. It's something that you're doing to somebody else. It's something that you're, you're placing onto somebody else. We would like to introduce Rachel, Cancer Sun, and Moon. Gemini rising. When you first brought up this idea of a conversation around judgment, I mean, the first things that came to my mind were three things, actually, which was judgment as more of a kind of an assumption. Like you assume someone's on the wrong or you assume a situation is uh, something that should be something else. And so there's a judgment on that. And then the second thing that came up for me was discernment as well, which is, again, this idea that you are making a judgment, but it's more of a collected and informed decision. And then also just vibration slash intuition. When I go down a dark alley, I'm going to have a judgment about the situation. And that will be purely based on my feelings and my intuition. So I broke it down into three different things. I didn't I would say that the last two of yours, like I would lump those together. Like the discern it's the understanding of who you are and your under like your feelings and your intuition is something of who you are. Because there's a lot of times where I might not be educated on something, shall we say? And I'm just like, yeah, that's not for me. It doesn't feel right. I still would consider that discernment. But I differentiate feeling and thinking. So I feel like there can be situations that you come across. Like, for example, I have the feeling down this alley, I shouldn't go. However, I have the information and the discernment. My friend's house is at the end of this block and she's Mm -hmm. waiting for me to come to the door. And I mean, there very well may be entities or something that's happening in that alley that is feeding my intuition and my feeling, but my information will lead me through my initial feeling of like, uh, something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I can see how they're related in the sense of you'll definitely have discernment that's influenced by your feeling. But for me, discernment is still a headspace and a very informed decision that you're making. Whereas I think judgment on a whole is generally coming from an uninformed space that's assuming a lot of things. Because I agree in that judgment is kind of a put on other. I think judgment is also a very human characteristic and quality. So the fact that people be like, oh, I don't judge you or not judging you and that, I'm like, bullshit, you are. (laughs) And that may be more of an undercurrent or again, based on our lens that we look through as individuals. That doesn't mean that you need to put it on someone. And that doesn't mean that someone that has judgment put on them needs to take it on. You know, I think these are also two different things. Yeah. However, I think when it comes to the projection of a judgment, that to me is an assumed space or it's an ignorant space because you're just coming from your personal lens, which is not the other, you know, those are my initial thoughts. 
with regards to you referencing, you know, the past, I think you said six years, seven years in this state of brewing on judgment, you know, and again, I think a lot of the shunning that we get, I mean, I'm always finding whatever mainstream or the masses or whatever is trending as a like, yes, probably a no, you know, like I'm always kind of looking for the contrary and maybe that's the devil's advocate in me. But when people start hating on the ego or people start hating on the judgment, I'm like, I mean, isn't the end goal here compassion for all things? And these are very much elements of our being. So how can we experience them and share them as positive things? You know, you know, we do live in the dichotomy and we're working on, I think, fusing them together and going beyond that. So even saying negative and positive judgment is having a judgment on judgment, you know what I mean? Like... So yeah, it's very interesting and I'm fascinated by, you know, the human interaction and the things that it triggers and brings up for people. And yeah, the judgments that I put on myself um, that often spill over into judgments that I receive from others. You know, I find that there's a lot of connection in these things, you know, so it's important to be aware of the patterns of when I find myself judging and then when I find myself being judged, you know, what are the common threads that are being woven throughout that tapestry, you know? Yeah. I feel like when judge is being placed on you, you know, there's that old saying that, that nobody can do anything to you that you're not allowing to happen. Like if somebody was judging something about me, it must mean that I am judging me in that way or that I'm doing that. And I got really caught up in that for a long time. If they say it's true, then some aspect of me believes it's true. And then as I sat with it more, it was much more of a self-worth and self-love thing. And we start to like look at the world as like other people's truths are more important than ours. Yeah. No, I'm like everybody's truth. This was a thought I had the other day. I was like, um, somebody's truth and somebody's boundaries do not need to be reasonable or fair to anybody except themselves. I agree with that very much, you know, and this is, I think, where it becomes interesting. The second that quote unquote, someone is judged, everyone wants to pounce on that person because it may be outlandish and it may be completely uncalled for and out of line, but we are in fact judging that judgment. You know, it's this strange, like cyclical, like, wait a second though, you know, like what makes that any better or worse? Because I guess it wasn't framed in the context of a really charged, angry, negative, racist, bigot, you know, like you can run the stream of like accepted negative behaviors, you know, but because mine's out of love, my judgment or my hate is out of love. Like this doesn't make sense to me. So yeah, I think people are entitled to that. I don't think life is fair. I don't think life is supposed to be your view only. People will have their judgments and their beliefs and they'll throw them at you. And I mean, I'm finding it very interesting what triggers me, you know, because very often if someone has a judgment on me, yeah, it's like, okay, whatever, that's them. But the things that do get under my skin that's when I start to pay attention because it's like, wait a second, I'm having a response to this judgment. I mean, if someone says outlandish things, it's generally rolling off my sleeves like, you poor crazy person, you know, <laughs> like, good luck with life. But yeah, when it does get to me or when it does basically ignite a fire in me, a fight, a like defensive, then I'm like, huh, there's something here. And, you know, very often it has nothing to do with the other person. It's my own shit. <laughs> yeah. I've been finding that kind of resistance to reality come up for me a lot. What do you mean by that? That aspect of being triggered by something and it gets under your skin, Mm. you know, it typically comes down to like, I'm in resistance to 
the reality. And it's, it's typically some type of like idealistic thought in my mind. Like it should uh, yes, be this yes. way. Yes, yes, yes. And it's like, yeah, but it's not, but it should be. <laughs> yeah. I have a really hard time coming to the reality space of who people are. I'm calling them the rose-colored skepticals instead of spectacles. They're actually like skeptical glasses that are rose-colored. So it's like I'm definitely not going to trust people, but I'm going to think the best of them. And it's not until like the third, between three and five times of showing the true colors that I'm like, you know what? I got to get to reality. And reality is really far from where I was. And I'm finding it like, oh, it does, it hurts, you know? It's a harsh reality. I think the process of being aware that it's the pattern, I think there's the process of grieving that it's a pattern that no longer serves you and you need to transition into the new habit. And then there's that entire like baby step phase of like building the new habit, which is totally uncomfortable and not familiar and not your knee-jerk reaction. So it's hard. It's very hard. Wouldn't it be nice if we just had philosophers like Socrates just hanging out, you know, thinking about things? Because I don't think that that happens a lot in our society anymore. Well, I mean, it's it's convoluted, you know. I feel like it does happen. But for me, at least, it's very overwhelming to find that out, you know. Like, I think there are great thinkers of our time and revolutionaries that have ideas surrounding things like judgment and such. But I'm certainly not searching them out. I'm happy to come across things that resonate with me, like kind of against the stream kind of stuff. I want to hear about the person that's doing things differently. And by doing things, I mean living differently, you know? Like uh, the philosophers I think of our time are the livers, you know? Who's living that life? Because there's a lot of talking and there's a lot of like noise on all of these different media avenues, you know? But I think the ones that are really going to be written about when whatever is going on now is said and done, it's the ones that lived it, you know? And that, I mean, that's historically true too. You know, I think a lot of the great philosophers and and great leaders that really were transformative to an era lived it. There's no need to talk about it, you know, Mm -hmm. live it. We need more philosophy taught like preschool. Some critical thinking classes for, you know, toddlers. Well, you know, and uh, allegedly that's the thing that's lacking in this upcoming generation, like the students. But again, I think that's also because the evolution of a species is not requiring critical thinking anymore. I don't know what it's required. I I don't understand it because I'm not from that that time and space. (laughs) Like, I mean, and this is coming from... I have three friends that are in the education system and the brains of their students is just incomprehensible to a generation, two generations ahead of them. I remember seeing a shift just in the way we perceive information, the way we receive information. 10 or just a little bit more than 10 years ago, teaching yoga and I would teach an older crowd and then I would teach another class over near the university. And I was always an audio teacher, so I didn't, all my adjustments and everything were verbal. I never really mm. showed anything. Mm. And I noticed that when I went and taught at the university with kids that, I mean, were five to seven years younger than me, they could not follow verbal instructions. Mm. You know, and it was like, have y'all played Twister before? Because like, right. And they're like, what? Red dot. <laughs> and they, they would all turn around and look at me. Like, wait, right foot steps to the back of the yoga mat. What? Mm, 
Mm-mm-mm. And it, it was just like, whoa, it was the first time that I really realized we had gone from this um, society where people talk and listen to where people type and read. And I don't even know if that's happening anymore. I mean, I think that also speaks to attention spans. You know what I mean? Like even reading, if I send anything that's longer than four lines, chances are it's not getting read. And that's even with people in my generation. There's so many variables that come into play that I think attribute to that lack of listening, that lack of attention. You know, I'm old school. I'm definitely an old millennial. I'm a senior millennial. Bitch was born in 1982. That's the way I communicate. And I'm not attached to that, but I am confused at how to reach people if I can't text them and get a response or like actually send an audio with the question and them still not understand. Like, it's kind of like, okay, we got to wait till we're in person then, you know, like there's a a big barrier. This is interesting because last night I was, I'm doing this, um, uh, he's like a transformational speaker and I've been listening to a lot of his videos and stuff while I'm on the treadmill at night. And last night, actually, while you and I were texting back and forth, I was listening to one where he pulled a guy up on stage and he, he was not capable of hearing the questions Kyle was asking. I sometimes I don't even think it's a technology thing or an age thing or a generational thing. It's simply a state of consciousness thing. Mm. He was like 77. It was his first foray into any like personal growth stuff. And it was literally like listening to nails on a chalkboard because he could not hear the Mm. question. Mm. It was not landing in his field. And you think about how many times You've, you know you've heard something before, but somebody says it to you in just the right way for you to be able to hear it. Sure. And you're like, oh, now I get it. Right. But like being a dancer, I remember trying to learn this one form of tango called milonga, and it's kind of like a syncopated beat. And I couldn't do it. And it was like, every time somebody asked me to dance, I was like, oh, I'm this is going to be terrible. I just want to let you know ahead of time. And I'd sweat the whole time and I'd just be a nervous wreck. And then one day somebody just like literally picked me up and put me on the beat. And I was like, oh, got it. Hmm. Like sometimes our brains just can't comprehend it. And it's nobody's fault. Like it's just not, it's not synchronized. It's not in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to happen. It's true. And I think that's what my revelation has been. At first I would try, you know, repeated different forms. If it's not written, okay, let's try audio. What about video, you know, trying all these different ways and even asking like, can I be more clear? Like, how can I communicate with you better? And then just finally arriving at a space of like, oh no, we can't communicate. So, okay. Now I know, you know, like moving on. (laughs) It's systemic everywhere everybody's a little bit on the spectrum just because of the way society is now, the way we're eating, the way we're consuming advertisements and social media and communication. Like it all makes us a little bit crazy. It's interesting, the impact of all of this and what it does to our awareness and consciousness. (laughs) My computer agrees. I don't know if you could hear that, but it's like, ding. You know, we started off talking about judgment and we've like cycled through a bunch of stuff and I'm sitting here thinking how in the negative term of the word, like this conversation could even seem like we're sitting here and like judging reality and judging what's going on. But but are they judgments? I mean, it's a conversation yeah, that's, a judgment. Judgment is a part of every single conversation you really will ever have with anybody ever. We need to let go of the word judgment 
in the way that it's oftentimes used. And maybe, yeah, like you said, compassion, like maybe instead of being like, don't be so judgmental, shift it to where, you know, could you be more compassionate right now? Could you be more understanding? Hmm. I feel like everything in life needs to be judged. You need to know if it works for you or not. You have to question it. Like judging is just questioning and arriving at a decision. And that decision can change five seconds from now, five minutes from now, you know? Sure. But it's something I think we need to be doing. And somehow it has gotten, especially in this like self-growth, self-development world, Mm. it's gotten really a negative connotation to it. And that's just, that's how I started struggling with it. Mm -hmm. Was this like, but wait a minute, don't tell me not to judge. Like, it's important. How do I know who I am if I can't judge it to decide it? Like, that's why we call it a judge, a judge, (laughs) you know, it's not a negative and it keeps getting put there. Well, and I think the way to trans, I mean, as far as I can tell, and I've done an experiment with this over the past two and a half years, the word bitch, bitch stems from a very negative charge and connotation. And I have exercised it in all spaces, positive and negative to really reshape and reform the charge behind the way I use it, the way I interpret it, the way that others view it, just to kind of fuck with people a lot of the times too. You know, like there are certainly some spaces, even two and a half years later, I'm kind of like, "Mm, I don't know if I can call them a bitch. You know, (laughs) like even though I know my heart and my space and I've tested it in some of those circles, like I still recognize my fear and resistance to honoring what I've upheld as an integral like version of that word. So I think the same thing needs to be done with judgment. If you yeah. want to revolutionize something, you have to use it in everyday conversation with the new charge. And until yeah. people start to recognize and, and feel that and hear that, it will be used in such a way, you know? I mean, again, like I remember coming across judgment and ego kind of along the same vein. And it was, it was a few years back and it was the yoga community that was really harsh on the ego. And I was just kind of really taken back. Like, why are we hating on the ego so much? And that was kind of my first, yeah, word and charge that I really started to kind of dissect and realize like, oh, madness, you know, this idea of like, I am going to respond to something I don't believe in with something I don't believe in. This is curious. 101. But it did. It made me much more aware of areas in my life, like ways that I was responding to things that I didn't believe in. Like, well, what do I believe in? Am I responding with what I believe in to things that I don't believe in? And that is hard to do because that shit really makes you work. (laughs) It's easy to hate. It's easy to hate. It's hard to have compassion. It's hard to have understanding. Mm -hmm. And I think the best lesson and resource of arriving at those spaces is with yourself until you actually spend some time with yourself or explore yourself or discover those things that you judge and you hate about yourself and you don't accept about yourself and you don't have compassion towards. Yeah. You're fucked. (laughs) Yeah. I found it really interesting and exercise uh, like life has just been an exercise Mm. (laughs) the last month or so. So it's like, I'm in Florida right now. Me and my mom and my dad are all in my mom's house in Florida, which is easily a quarter the size of our house in New York. And something I've noticed is like this month, we've kind of all got on the best we've ever gotten on in the 37 years that I've known them. And I've been contemplating that like, man, 
why is it so easy here? And it occurred to me that it's my mom's house. Hmm. So while my dad and I probably, not probably, we absolutely have opinions um, and judgments on what we think should be done or how we think should things should be done because it's her house. And somehow we have both at the same time really come to that understanding or acceptance and compassion of this is her house. So the second that my brain goes, there's a better way to do this. This is stupid. The second that all that compassion goes out, I feel it well up in me. And instead of actually saying it, I take a deep breath and I'm just like, this isn't your place to say. And I, while I might make a suggestion here or there, it's always unbelievably aware when I make a suggestion of how I make the suggestion. Mm-hmm. And if she ignores me, I really let it go. Like I have to accept it immediately. And it's like being able to sit in that acceptance has allowed the three of us who have pretty much had almost 37 years of turmoil be in this incredibly peaceful place. That's huge. And I'm just like, man, this is cool. Like, and there's so many times where I bite my tongue and I'm just like, this is not your circus, lady. So like, let the monkey go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And like, that's the thing that keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where we keep the dish soap. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. Well, you know, if dish soap is dish soap, right? I mean, very often these things manifest or show themselves as dish soap. But if you dig deeper, it's like, oh, this was like childhood trauma. You know what I mean? Like, this was about me not getting to, I don't know, go to the park when I wanted to go to the park, you know? So some like childhood hurt, you know? So while yes, dish soap doesn't matter, I think that's where the patterns and like, I mean, especially family, Jesus Christ, like family is the great illuminator of our patterns and our trauma and our healing spaces, you know? So where you can accept, you know, that the dish soap can go wherever it is and the dish soap can represent whatever it represents, that is very significant. When you can pause and keep your mouth shut long enough to feel it in your body, then you're able to recognize Mm -hmm. the deeper meanings and Mm -hmm. process that. Yeah. As opposed to like picking a fight over dish soap. Breathe. What does mm-hmm. that feel like? Where does that go? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's been my experience with judgment lately. <laughs> Unfolding itself beautifully every sure. single day. Um, any final thoughts on judgment? Yeah, I think the thing that stood out to me is just that I want to shift the use of that word I'm using it in a negative manner where I ask somebody, you know, why are you being so judgmental? Why are you judging that? And shift it to, you know, how can you find acceptance? Where's your acceptance? Yeah, I think, you know, another way of utilizing it, because I'm thinking, you know, synonyms, right? So judgment really can be used synonymously with many other words. First thing that came to mind when you were talking about a shift is like, what if I was like, I'm going to judge you right now. You can take it personally or not, but I just want to say thank you for really showing up and being who you are today and arriving on time, you know, and actually complimenting the person. So mm. you like lead with this like Ooh. judgment, which is this very harsh, like I'm going to judge you. Oh my, and you know, you can see and even feel the tension rise in the other person. Like this is what happened with bitch. When I was experimenting with bitch, like I could see the reaction of the other, but when I would also not even cushion it, but just couple it 
with a positive thing. You know, it's like when I come across dogs off leashes and they're very defensive, especially on their property, and they're coming at me yapping and I do this, you're a good dog, you're doing your job. I can actually see and feel in the dog this confusion of like, what do you mean? I'm barking my brains out. Why aren't you afraid? Why aren't you yelling back at me? Like, what do you mean, good dog? Like, I only get that when I'm being pet. And like, you can just see this entire rewiring happening. I mean, initially, it's just this confusion of like, wait, these two things don't go together. I'm kind of freaking out, you know? But again, I think the more that you coax it and you really get that understanding of like, judgment can also be used this way, you know? Like, it really does create a new pathway for us to like accept that in fact judgment is a very necessary tool one that we're very built into and have and kind of take it out of that cage that it's been in for i'd say certainly the past decade i like that spin on it there yeah or just in any other like any other ways that you can substitute judgment because i mean that's what happened with bitch for me i was substituting in it with where i would usually put girl because i was using girl a lot before i used bitch So it was part of my language already, but like wherever you can really be conscious and aware of your language and integrate something that can be substituted and even reframed, this I've found to be a very successful way and avenue to dismantling the charge that has served it for whatever reason, but no longer is necessary, you know? I use bitch as an empowering term and it has had that effect. And so I'm definitely going to be using it for at least another two years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Judgment. (laughs) (laughs) Space cord, space cord. If you are interested in sharing your thoughts and insights on a topic with planet Earth, we invite you to hit the space line 707-780-2266. Bitch is an acronym for Beautiful, Intelligent, Talented, Charming, Honorable. Rachel regularly uses bitch in many ways, shapes and forms as a way to empower people to transmute its energetic charge. This acronym, Bitch, was introduced to Rachel in 2013, by the late Bitch Queen, Kathleen. All praise and honor to Kathleen for sharing her wisdom. After all, we's dumb.